Well, we're in the middle of a series now entitled Marked, Undeniable Markings. We take that from Galatians where Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I mean, he was physically marked, scarred for his suffering and his persecution that he had received as a result of his faith in Jesus Christ. For us as Christians, we may never face the physical markings that Paul had. We may never bear those in our body, but it's so important that we carry those spiritual markings, that we bear the marks that are undeniable to those that are looking on and watching us, that they know that we are part of the family of God. Last week we looked at the mark of loyalty. This week we're going to take the next step and see the mark of patience. James chapter 1 and verse 4 says this, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Most of us have a working understanding or a working definition knowledge of what patience is. Webster defines it like this, Bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint, fixed in direction, despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. And while most of us understand what it means to be patient, I think we fail in the area of knowing why it's important to be patient. I think for a lot of us, we've heard the stories of Job and of Moses and others that were patient in their dealings with, with difficulties and trials. And, and we look at that and we may even think, well, that was good for them, but I don't really understand why it's so important for me. This morning, if you would allow me, I want to forego what we normally do in a service, uh, what I normally do as preaching to you. I kind of feel God leading me in a different direction today. What I'd like to do is just take a few minutes and just talk to you about what I believe is one of the most incredible stories of why patience is necessary. In Exodus chapter 8, God came to Moses in the burning bush and God told Moses, He said, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go to Egypt and talk to Pharaoh. And I want you to say to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may serve me. Now you've got to remember that the children of Israel were in a real mess at this point. They had been brought into the land as family members and on the invitation of Pharaoh, but now Pharaoh has passed off the scene and another man has come on the scene that does not know Joseph or the reason he came into their country. And as a result, this Pharaoh begins to oppress the people of God. The children of God come under great burdens and great stress as they become slaves to Pharaoh. The problem for them was that they did not know how they were going to get out of the mess they were in. How could they possibly gain enough strength to overcome the armies of Pharaoh? How could they possibly hope to get out of his control and out from under his power? Children of Israel did not know what they were going to do. But I want you to know something. God did. God already knew. You see, God had an exit plan. God had a strategy already in place. In fact, hundreds of years before the time that the children of Israel went into slavery, God was already telling Abraham, I've got a plan and I've got a purpose. You see, it was predetermined. We can't get into anything and God will not allow us to go into anything that He does not also have the ability and the control and the power to bring us out of 
when it's time. You say, okay, now I understand how the children of Israel were and I understand how the surrounding countries are toward the children of Israel and it's really amazing to find that the children of Israel were in Egypt and and how did they get into such a mess becoming slaves I mean how did all this process go about it may surprise you to find the answer to this question because what we find in the process is that it goes back about 400 years with a young man named Joseph. Now you may remember the story of Joseph, how he was born one of 12 children. His dad was Jacob, who later was renamed Israel. He was one of the original children of Israel. He was one of the originals. And, and how in this story we find that Joseph's brothers hated him they despised him they wanted to get rid of him any way they possibly could And you may remember that the opportunity came for them to do that and they sold him into slavery into Egypt now just as a side note I find this interesting I don't know that it has any spiritual value whatsoever but but the thing that's interesting to me is the children of Israel went into Egypt in the same way that later they would come out as slaves. But Joseph was there. He was sold by his brothers into slavery where they took him then into Egypt. He was sold to Potiphar. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. There he served Potiphar for a number of years until the time came that Potiphar's wife lied about him. Joseph was taken from his position and thrown into prison. Now Joseph found himself in a very difficult position. Joseph found himself in a, in a very hard set of circumstances. It's interesting to me how all this took place. Because of the fact Joseph was in such a difficult position, because of the fact that Joseph led his people eventually there after God had elevated him to a place of authority, the children of Israel now found themselves in Egypt and would eventually, about 400 years later, less than that, give or take a few years, be taken into slavery by Pharaoh. Some people would say, well, the reason they were found themselves in slavery was simply because they continued to do the same thing they had always done. The children of Israel had a pattern throughout history that they would serve God for a while and eventually they would forget God. They would serve God for a while and then they would forget God. It was during the course of this time that the children of Israel, surrounded by pagans, began to worship God less. They began to serve God less. They began to forget about the, 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 the special feast and the special uh, celebrations that God had commanded them to remember. And as a result, God would allow the slavery to come upon them as a form of discipline in their lives. Some people would say, so that's why this mess happened. Okay, so that's why it took place. God allowed them to come into slavery as a form of discipline. But may I tell you that the, that the real answer may go beyond that and it may surprise you. Because the real answer is that hundreds of years before this took place, God had already told Abraham that it was going to happen. Hundreds of years before they rebelled against God, hundreds of years before they failed to worship God, God had already spoken to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, God told Abraham, I'm going to allow your descendants to go to a strange land. They're going to be there for a while. They're going to be enslaved. But when I bring them out, they're going to be much greater than they were when they went in. You see, God had a plan 
and a purpose. God was literally saying to Abraham, I'm going to take your descendants in. I'm going to keep them there for a while. They're going to be enslaved by Pharaoh. But I'm going to take them out much better off than they were when they went into this set of circumstances. God put them there. Why were they in this mess? God had a plan that he had orchestrated hundreds of years, if not thousands of years before. God had a plan that he began to orchestrate and to work in order to put the children of Israel in that position. I want you to know, it wasn't a fluke that they were in slavery. But it also wasn't a fluke that they ended up in Egypt. It was God strategically placing them there. Yes, there was bad blood between the children of Israel and the surrounding nations. The children of Israel had been promised a place and God was going to give them that place. And they worshipped God only. They were, they were unique in the way they worshipped. And the people around them didn't like that whatsoever. But it wasn't a fluke that they were there. God was strategically moving them into the place where he needed them to be for future reference. God had placed them there. And the interesting thing is that God used the suffering. God used the adversity in Joseph's life to move him into that location. You may think to yourself, Joseph was a God-honoring person. And as a result of that, his brothers hated him. As a result of that, his brothers sold him into slavery. As a result of that, he was lied upon. As a result of that, he was thrown into prison. And in the back of my mind, in my humanity, I began to think to myself, it would have been so simple for Joseph at any point in the process to say, that's it. I'm losing my patience with you, God. I've served you. I've done what was right all of these years. And all I've gotten is heartache after heartache. I'm finished. I'm finished. And had he done that, Think of the impact it would have had not only on him, but also on his family and also the nation of Egypt. You see, God was using the adversity in his life to move him strategically to a place where he needed him to be. To save not only his own family, but thousands of others as well. Now I find that interesting because if you look at the way things work among believers we find that time and time again God uses adversity time and time again God uses the pain and the loss and the suffering and the disappointment and the problems and the difficulties time and time again God uses those things to strategically maneuver us into the place where he wants us to be for the future in the end of this story Joseph told his brothers he said you look back on all that's happened. You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. God had a reason and a purpose for what was happening in my life. God had planned, strategically planned, hundreds of years before in order to maneuver me into these difficult places so that in the end, He could bring me out far better than I went in. And in the end, he could use me in far greater ways to bring about salvation to my family and to the nation of Egypt. There's something else interesting about this whole story. And it kind of comes out in the fact that, you know, God does have a plan. Uh, he's got a purpose for what he does. He's got a plan for the way he maneuvers and works our lives. 
And yet a lot of the times we find, in fact most of the time, that God doesn't often share with us why. I mean, have you noticed that? God's not really into coming to me and saying, well, Tom, here's the deal, man. I, I, I'm going to take you into a really big problem. And, and you're going to suffer. You're going to have a lot of pain. You're going to go through some really hard times. But at the end of this, and the end is going to come on such and such date, at the end of this, when I bring you out of it, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make you so much better off than you were when you went in. I'm going to mature you. I'm going to strengthen you. You're going to come out of this difficulty with power that you never knew you could possibly have in order to serve me better. You know, it would be nice if God would do that, I think, from time to time. Now, I know God has his reasons, and, and I'm not trying to usurp his authority by no means. But I just think that it would be so much easier for me if I knew when I was going into something exactly how much problem it was going to be and exactly when it would end. And yet, as God so often does, he just expects me to trust him. He just expects me to accept the fact that he is God and I am not. And therefore, I have to trust him as God. God used the circumstances in Joseph's life. He used them in order to bring the descendants of Abraham from where they were into the place to where eventually they would be put into slavery. Now, for some people, they see that taking place and they say, you mean God maneuvered them on purpose, maneuvered them to the place where they would be slaves eventually. That's cruel. And you know, if we, if we fail to understand the principle, then we may also take the side that that's cruel of God to do that. We may also falsely understand what's going on here and, and see it as, as inhumane for God to allow people to be moved into a place from where they were happy, from where they were serving God and trusting God, but move them into a place to where one day they would be moved into hardships. And yet the thing that we've got to understand, not only in their circumstances, but in ours as well, is that God has a plan. God has a plan. It's already determined. It's already laid out exactly where God wants us to be so that He can work in our lives so that when we come out on the other side, God has made us better and greater and more powerful than we were when we went into the circumstances. Now I want you to look real closely at this picture. Because I believe if we're looking at what's taking place in the situations and we see how God is maneuvering and moving and using adversity in our lives, that we can see ourselves in here. Certainly, these were oppressed people. They were in slavery. But how great it is to know that while they had forgotten God, God had not forgotten them. God had not abandoned them in their time of need. Well, things go now from bad to worse for the children of Israel. Because Pharaoh has determined in his mind that he's going to squash them. He's going to destroy their spirit. He's going to wipe them out. He's going to give them absolutely no hope of becoming a free people again. The Bible tells us that part of the responsibilities of the children of Israel as slaves was to make bricks. 
Part of their responsibility was that they were to take the supplies that Pharaoh provided for them, combine them together, and make bricks that they would use in order to build later on. But now as Pharaoh decides to up the pressure on the children of Israel, something interesting takes place. He, he makes it so hard on them. He says, I'm taking the straw away from you. Used to, I provided that for you. But now I expect you still to make bricks. I expect you still to produce the same amount of bricks. But it's your responsibility now to go get your own straw to make them with. Pharaoh began to step up the pressure. And I told you something interesting happened because something interesting to me at least did take place. Because the more pressure Pharaoh put upon the children of Israel, the harder he made it upon them. Something really neat took place. The Bible says that they multiplied even more. Now you remember God told Abraham, Genesis chapter 15, I'm going to take them in, but when I bring them out on the other side, they're going to be better off. They're going to be greater than they were when they went in. We already see the promise of God unfolding. We already see that now these people are growing and multiplying. We already see that God is bringing them into a greater place than they were before the affliction. The Bible tells us, that the more they were afflicted, the more they grew. Now there's a spiritual application for us here. God allows affliction to come into our lives. We've seen that. We all know that firsthand. We've all had the problems and the difficulties that seem overwhelming. Some of you are right there right now. You're already involved in these things. But did you know that God does that for a specific purpose? God doesn't just direct our paths and lead us into it to abandon us and say, Well, you know, I didn't really see all that coming. You just do the best you can from here. No. God has a purpose. And it's a purpose to grow us and to make us better. It's a purpose to use the affliction in our lives, to use the difficulties that come in order to bring us out on the other side as much better than we were when we go in. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing because one would think that Christians would, would really thrive and grow when everything is going well, and yet it's not true. It's not true. It's in adversity. It's in problems. It's in difficulties that we find ourselves thriving and growing. It's in the problems of life that we find ourselves becoming more and more dependent upon God. It's in those areas that God begins to mature us and to grow us and to make us stronger and more powerful than we were when we went into the problem. I believe this is the very reason that God allows problems to come into our lives. I believe when God is preparing us for something greater, when God is getting ready to, to make us better in what's going on in our lives, to prepare us to do something greater for Him, that the enemy comes, or a problem, or a difficulty comes. And all of these things hit us head on. And it seems to us that the world is coming to an end because we can't see the way out. And yet God is saying, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just be patient, Psalm chapter 37, verse 7 says this, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Wait patiently for Him. Don't give up on God, but through the difficulties and the problems of life, wait patiently on Him. You see, God has a plan for what's happening in your life. God's told us. He said, I know the plans I've made for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. 
You see, God's plan and purpose doesn't mean to take us into difficulties and problems and leave us there and destroy us and break our will. That's not what God's intentions are. God's intentions are to take us through these difficulties and allow us to see Him working in our lives and bring us out on the other side in greater ways than we went into the suffering. That's why when pain and suffering hit, and, and they do. That's why I believe that that really is a cause for joy. It's really a cause for happiness in our lives. I believe as Christians, we, we get happy and we celebrate at the wrong time. Wrong time is a bad, way, a bad choice of words. I believe we celebrate at, at the second best time. Because we celebrate when we're coming out of it. Now, I think there's nothing wrong with that, to give God glory for bringing us out of a problem. Uh, man, that's an exciting time. But I think if we could really grasp the concept of what God is doing in adversity, if we could really get hold of the thought that, that God is wanting to make us greater and better and more powerful when we come out on the other side, that when we saw those problems and those difficulties approaching, all of a sudden, that's when we would start rejoicing. Why? Because God is going to work in my life. God is going to do something great in my life. The Bible tells us that God only does things for two reasons. Number one is for the good of those who love Him. And number two is for His glory. When we see problems and difficulties coming, we could rejoice in God and we could say, we could say yes, God, I don't understand this. It hurts, it's painful, it's such a big problem in my life right now, but I know you're going to do this for my good and for your glory. God, you're going to get glory out of this. You're going to get glory out of it. Because I'm not going to become impatient. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to throw my hands up in disgust. I'm not going to quit on you, God. I'm going to keep going for your glory. As I said earlier, some of you this morning, I've talked to quite a few of you in the past week. You are under an attack. And in fact, you've been there for quite a while. You've been suffering in some things that, to me, from my human perspective, I look at it and I think, how in the world can they go on? And probably, if you were truthful, at this point, you, you looking at the whole situation, looking at what's going on in your life, you, you really, the best you could muster is, well, I'm still here. I'm still here. I've gone through hell and high water, but I'm still here. I'm in more pain now than I've ever been in my life, but I'm still here. I, I feel like no one understands what's happening to me. I feel like no one can comprehend what's taking place in my life, but I'm still here. My spirit hurts. But I'm still here. I'm tormented day and night. But I'm still here. I cried myself to sleep last night. But I'm still here. I'm at my wits end. But I'm still here. God's got a plan for what you're in. God's got a purpose. Many years ago, God determined exactly where you needed to go. So that in the maneuvering, the strategic maneuvering, God could place you in a spot that He could use for His honor and for His glory. To make you greater when you come out on the other side. God's got a plan, an exit plan. And God's got a plan for what's taking place in your life right now. It's called growing under pressure. So Pharaoh took the straw away from the children of Israel. And an interesting thing happened. I guess it's interesting. 
It's something developed in the lives of the children of Israel that really I consider to be a bad thing. And as I explain it to you, I think you'll understand what I'm saying. Because when Pharaoh took the, the straw away from the children of Israel and made their jobs more difficult, in essence, what the children of Israel began to do was cry out for more straw. You say, well, now, why is that such a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing because I believe their vision was too small. I believe that what they were looking at was becoming better slaves. They were slaves to what was taking place, and God was working through that difficulty in order to move them somewhere else, and yet all they could see was what was lost, the straw. I believe so many times that God begins to work in our difficulties, and sometimes things are taken away from us for the purpose of refocusing our vision not on the things that were lost. We can sit and we can cry over that and we can pout about it and we can beg for it to come back or we can get refocused on what's left. See, God wanted to refocus the children of Israel. He wanted to take their attention from what was missing, the straw, to what was really important. You know, I mentioned earlier that as Pharaoh put more and more pressure on the children of Israel, the children of Israel began to multiply more rapidly. In other words, their relationships became stronger. For the children of Israel, they had to understand that what was important wasn't the straw. That was lost. That was gone. What was important and what God wanted them to see in such a big way was the relationships that needed mending. The relationships that needed to be strengthened the bonds between the husbands and the wives that needed to be developed. For us, I believe God is trying to direct our attention and our thoughts in the same way. And you may have experienced a great loss in your life recently. Maybe, maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a friend. Maybe, maybe you lost health. And God is trying to work through those situations. And he's trying to say, look at what's lost. It's gone. Now get your eyes off of that and focus on what's really important. You see, God wants to take us from where we are to something that's far better. And sometimes loss has to occur. Sometimes God has to move things out of our lives that we've elevated to the position of God so that he can refocus us on something else. Sometimes we allow finances or we allow our health or we allow a friendship to get in the way of us having a right relationship with God. Sometimes we allow those things to become God themselves because we make them as important as God, if not more so. And sometimes God has to cut those loose. And he does so with the intent of helping us to refocus, to see something that's more important, something that's more vital. God wants us to be people who are just willing to trust Him through the difficulties. God wants us to become people who are willing to cut the losses and refocus on what's important. You see, I believe that God wants to get us to the place to where we completely trust Him. To where we are bearing those undeniable markings of patience. 
where we understand that God did not lead us into the problems and the difficulties that we find ourselves in to abandon us. In fact, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Yes, God's going to use hardships maybe to get us there. He's going to allow the pressure to build. He's going to allow the pressure to squeeze in upon us. So that in doing so, we gain a deeper sense of dependency upon Him. You see, it's when we're at our weakest that the strength of God is, is the most notable. It's the most visible in our lives. When we get in that place to where we can't endure and we can't go on, that's where we have to turn and we have to become more and more dependent upon Christ. God wants to take us from where we are. He wants us to realize His importance in our situation. For the children of Israel, that meant giving up what wasn't important to gain what was. Growing under pressure. Let me give you this illustration. I want to make an application to it and then we'll close. When I was a boy, I can remember from time to time being given a responsibility that uh, I was to go out and maybe wash the windows outside the house. And of course to do that, I would get the water hose out, connect it to the faucet. But I realized that in order for the windows to get really clean, the water had to come out with more power than it would just naturally come out with. The problem was twofold. Number one, we didn't have a spigot to put on the end to force the water out. Now, we were poor people. We didn't have things like that. Number two, even if we'd have had that spigot to put on the end, we didn't really have an end to the end of the water hose to screw it on to. Some of you are already ahead of me. You know what I mean. We had one of those cut-off water hoses that just was... So what I determined would work is for me to take the water hose and to squeeze it a little. And what I found was that the more I squeezed the water hose, the more powerfully the water came out. Do you hear it? God allows us to be squeezed sometimes, but it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose that we will come out with more power than we went in with. Understanding this principle makes me not understand our enemy, the devil. Because it seems to me like if he really understood this, that God is going to use this hardship, he's going to allow me to be squeezed so that in the end I have more power than I went in with. I don't understand why Satan would want to keep squeezing. I mean, it looks to me like he would want to let up and say, no, I've, I've seen that in action. I'm not going to have any of that. Maybe... Maybe he's thinking, you know what, he's going to lose his patience. He's going to become impatient and he's going to give up on God. And if that's the case, then he gets the victory and he's won. But you know what, I can't allow that to happen. You can't either. God's got a plan for what you're going through. God's got a reason for what's happening and it's a reason to use the adversity in your life to bring you out on the other side much stronger and much more powerful than you went in. So what do we do? We let patience have its perfect work. 
so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We bear the undeniable marking of patience.